welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Well, thank you so much. I am so excited just to get to be here and to get to share a little bit of our heart and what God has called us into with Athletes in Action and full-time sports ministry. And so, again, my name's Tim Cole, and there's a coach inside of me. It'll always be there. And so I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness, number one, because I'm going to walk around. All right? I'm going to get excited. I'm going to get pumped up a little bit. So I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness for that. Also, I'm very, I need participation. It's part of me. It's a coach inside of me. And so when I say power clap on three, I need us all to do one clap together. Okay? So power clap on three. One, two, three. Man, I just, I love that we can make one sound. That's great, okay? One sound. Now, if I say give me three on three, I need three claps. Bop, 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 okay? So, power clap on three. One, two, three. Ah, see, now I've got your attention, okay? Very good. Got to listen. All right, give me three on three. One, two, three. Very good. Power clap on three. One, two, three. Very good. Now, the last thing I need you to do is I need you to think about the good old days, okay? Think about when you used to be an athlete, Maybe you're an athlete right now, and you'll understand someday when I say the good old days, okay? But as the good old days, I need you to stand up in a minute on when I say three, athletic position for my Chiefs fans. You're the linebacker, okay? For my, uh, my basketball players, all right? You're going to be a little bit shoulder-width apart, nice and firm, firm base, okay? I want you to turn to the person to your right and say that you are amazing. I want you to turn to the person to your left and say, and you are awesome, okay? On three, stand up. Here we go. One, two, three. You are amazing, and you are awesome. Very good. Very good. All right, sit down. All right, here we go. So let's put it together a little bit. Power clap on three. One, two, three. Give me three on three. One, two, three. You are amazing. You are awesome. One, two, three. Go. Athletic. You are amazing, and you are awesome. You are awesome. I think we've already got a good football team right here. This is great. This is great. <laughs> well, first off, hey, I want to thank Reliance Community Church. Um, I was an assistant baseball coach at Southern Nazarene University for six years in Oklahoma City. And then we moved here two years ago. My wife and I took over. Um, I took over the head baseball coach position at Heston College. And then she took over the volleyball program as the head volleyball coach for Heston College. And so when we first moved here, my brother, Andrew Cole, and uh, also, um, check out Reliance. You, right over here, um, they were the first ones to say, hey, you guys have to come check out Reliance. You, there's something different going on here. And, and at first, you know, you kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, it's my brother. I don't know. And so, but then after that, um, we come, and it was just me, actually, at that service, and I'm just wrecked. I mean, there's just, Aaron brought such a good word. The worship was just incredible. Um, and so it's, it's amazing to get to worship also with my, one of my best friends, which is my brother. And so with that, um, it's awesome that he is my best friend because I'm a little taller and stronger than him as well. And so he, he is a, he's an amazing guy, though, and, and I'm very grateful that he's uh, in my life. Uh, the other person I want to thank is my wife. Casey Cole, you are my hero in so many ways. I love you with my whole heart. You're my best friend, and I'm so excited that we get to step in and do ministry together. It's a calling. It's a calling. We're excited to share about that. And so I want to I talk to you guys about kind of this full circle of what God's been doing in our life and hopefully challenge and encourage you in different ways with that as well. And so I want to talk to you about dangerous prayers, okay? You may wonder, what in the world do you mean by dangerous prayers? Well, here's what I mean. 
You pray it and you have no idea what you just prayed. There, I realize that, okay, I pray this, but do I really mean that? And if I really do, I don't know if I have that faith yet. And so let me, let me give you an example. When Casey and I got married almost nine years ago, our first prayer before we got married was, God, give us enough faith to get us uncomfortable. Give us enough faith to get uncomfortable. I don't think we really knew what that meant right at that time. What I can say is, is that he has done just that. He has got us uncomfortable, and I praise him every single day for it. Praise him every single day for it. The second prayer is that God take us and use us wherever, wherever you want us. Give us enough faith where you can, again, get in our way, interrupt us, and take us where you want us, okay? Here's the two things that we have learned from praying that. Number one is that God absolutely answers our prayers. We have felt that and we have experienced that time and time and time again. But the second thing is that often for us, and I know for many of you, God never answers our prayers how we think he's going to. There's a lot of times that we have prayed a prayer and now I'm so thankful for maybe God not answering that prayer right away. We're going to see that full circle more. And so, with that, uh, my hope and my prayers is that I can share uh, and paint a good picture of kind of what our ministry is and what we're going to get ready to do. And also, I want to share a few stories with you. And so, to go back for you guys and, again, take you on that full circle of what's been happening. So, when I was 16 years old, I felt uh, God was wrecking my heart. It was wrecking my heart, and it was a deal where I felt called into ministry and at that time, I really honestly thought that that's like, okay, then I'm going to be a pastor, or I might be a youth pastor, praise God that I'm not a worship pastor, okay? And so, but I knew that ministry was on my heart. And so, but then when I became 18, I got invited to be on an elite baseball team in Oklahoma City. We were called the Oklahoma City Ambassadors. We were pretty dang good. And whenever we uh, ended the game, one of our guys shared a testimony, another one presented the gospel, and it was at that moment, the very first time, that two passions of mine started to come to life. I started to see something that I had never seen before. So with that, that whole summer, we're going all across the country, and at the very end, we go to Nicaragua. Nicaragua is a Spanish-speaking country, and I'll tell you why that's important here soon, okay? So, but with that, it's amazing when you start to see and hear about Jesus Christ on a baseball field. It's something that, again, I never saw that but then this started to develop in my life, and I started to say, man, this could be what I want to do. And so with that, that summer, we had over 1,200 guys recommit or commit their lives to the Lord, over 1,200. I think that's incredible that so many guys understand that terminology more on a baseball field sometimes. And so that was the platform that God was starting to reveal to us during that time and reveal to me. So at the end of this trip, uh, end of the uh, summer, we go to Nicaragua on a week's missions trip. So we land in the airport, we get there. Uh, right when we get there, the interpreters come up to us and say, hey, we need you to get your whole uniforms on and you're gonna, you're gonna march in a parade. And so we thought they were kidding, but they weren't. And so after a while, we actually, we get our whole uniform on. We're looking very good, okay? We go and we start literally, we go outside of the airport and we're marching in a parade. And then we start to figure out they made this parade for us. So this was incredible. Now we have thousands of people down this street and I'm an 18-year-old guy looking, trying to look as cool as I can in this uniform. And so, and then again, this is the best part. As we're marching with them, they thought them think that we were major leagues. <laughs> and here's what I'm going to say. 
we let them think that we were Major League Baseball players. I don't know, I mean, hopefully I didn't have baby fat back then, but anyways, so we let them believe that. And then anyways, the next day, we, uh, we go to a camp, and we did a lot of outreach ministry, so we would do camp for kids. We'd teach them some baseball skills, and then after that, again, a guy would share his testimony, another guy would present the gospel at the very end. So we go to this camp, and uh, there's just a field, and there's hundreds of kids that are coming uh, to do baseball lessons and basic teachings, and so we drive up, and I mean, they're just like, they're like moving the bus. It was amazing. I'm just like, let's go. And so we get off the bus, and I'm a taller guy, and so they automatically just woof, all around me. Like, they just wanted to touch me, just wanted to be around me. And so I start to feel like I'm the guy, okay? And again, like I said, Nicaragua is a Spanish-speaking country, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of a humbling story. So I feel like, you know what? I'm going to be bold. We're here in Nicaragua. We're so cool. I'm going to get down to their level, these little kids' eyes, and I'm going to tell them hello in their language. So I get down to these guys, and I'm just sitting around here like, how are you doing? Aloha. How are you? <laughs> Aloha. Oh, man. At that moment. So then these little kids, <laughs> Aloha, Aloha. It's like, oh, my word. The whole camp, these kids just kept coming up and making fun of me. So, but then the worst part is, is that the interpreter comes up and says, hey, senor, it's hola. It's like, ah, oh, just adding the ha, okay? <laughs> so, but then this is when my heart starts to get gripped. Uh, the very next day, we go to a hospital. And at this hospital, if you've been to a third world country, a lot of times you don't go there just to get better. You get your medications and then you're good to go. Uh, a lot of times you go there because you're probably going to die. And so... It's honestly, uh, how do you die more of a peaceful manner? So we get there, and we get off the bus, and the interpreters say, hey, we need you to prepare your hearts. We need you to prepare your hearts for today, because today, you're going to be changed. Today, there's going to be some hard moments. And so we go, and we go in the hospital, and then all of a sudden, we, we open these doors up to this room. And in this room, there's hundreds of kids that are exactly the same size of, of the kids I just said aloha to. And uh, what I realized, and I, I have so many interpreters talk to us and say, you know, in a week, most of these kids are going to be dead. And so we're going to go in there, and we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for their family. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to. There was a part of me that was just like, I, I can't do this because I don't understand this right now. God, why? Why would you do this to these amazing, beautiful little kids? And so I go over a bed, and, and I'm praying over this bed, and, and the family's there, and the family, you can tell their, their eyes are, are just crusted over almost just from how much they've been crying. And uh, it was a moment where God really spoke to me, because I'm looking at this little boy, and this little boy and I, we make contact. I mean, just right away, I see him. And it was at that moment that I realized that he's going to meet him, that he's getting ready to be with our God. He's getting ready to be with our Father, and he was in complete peace. I can't describe it, except when I was looking in his eyes, I realized God was speaking to me in that moment. And so this started a journey of us saying, man, there's something different about doing ministry on a baseball field. And uh, with that, I started developing my life verse. And my life verse is Joshua 1.9. And it says, be strong, or haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, do not be terrified, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
And so every single day now I pray, okay, my prayer goes something like this, and maybe you need to hear this. My prayer goes, God, give me the eyes to see the things that you want me to see. Father, allow me to hear the things that you want me to hear. And Lord, when I speak, help me to speak life and never death. Father, you've commanded me to be strong. Tim, be strong. To be courageous, because you are with me wherever you go. Even when I'm afraid, God, you're with me wherever I go, because fear is crippling. We've all felt that. We've all felt that. So I'm starting to quote this verse more and more and more in my life. And so, speed up a little bit. In 2017, I get invited uh, to coach on an Athletes in Action team. We're going to play the Panama National Team for college. We're also going to go play the Guatemala National Team for college. What I can say is, is that when we went there in 2017, I was probably more excited to learn as a coach. Our head coach is from California, the other coach, the assistant coach is from Michigan, so I'm really enticed and excited to get to learn from these guys. But then again, God starts to wreck my heart. So with Athletes in Action, they go through, and we go through intensive discipleship with our guys while we're doing outreach ministry. So here we are, almost 10 years later from when I was in Oklahoma City and almost 10 years later from when I was in Nicaragua, and that same thing is starting to happen again. And so if you go to the next slide, uh, Athletes in Action, these are some of the ministries that we do. So we have campus, pro, sports teams, international, home office, sports complex, and media. Uh, Casey and I will be working with sports teams and pro. And so with that, a lot of the sports teams is taking college-age kids, bringing them in the summer, and we go and we play in elite leagues, and we'll play uh, against national teams. And so again, the competition's important, and we love that, but at the same time, a lot of it is that we get the opportunity to disciple these young men. And then we get to start to see them doing an outreach ministry. And that is when you get to start to see stuff stirring. So the best way to kind of describe the ministry is by this next slide. And that is, uh, if you go to the next one, it's this kind of this win, build, send process that we talk about. I think this is terminology that athletes get, okay? I think this is stuff that was important for us when we were thinking through this. And so this is Cordero. Cordero's in this picture. And uh, right away, you, we, we start to see this win, this introduced Jesus in Cordero's life. And so Cordero is from inner city Nashville, uh, grew up in a single parent home, and it's kind of a miracle that he got on the trip. Crafty little lefty, he was my best bullpen guy. And so he comes up, and uh, we're in our first two weeks in Panama. And inside of Panama, we're going through biblical principles and different things and of what God's doing in our life during discipleship. And so at that moment, Cordero comes up to me and he says, Coach, I... I'm, I gotta know, is God real, and could he be for somebody like me? And so, let me say this about the gospel real quick. I think for me, oftentimes I try to make the gospel a little too complicated. Sometimes I wanna be so perfect, sometimes I wanna know exactly what to say, I wanna have the scripture all memorized so much that I can get in the way. Cordero, all he needed was an arm around him. That's all he needed. Sometimes I think the best gospel is taking your arm and putting it around your brother and taking your arm and putting it around your sister. I think that sometimes speaks volumes of what God can do when we allow ourselves to get out of the way. And so then I get to see this build process starting to happen in Cordero. And so we had all these mentors and, and we're starting to equip him and, and really disciple in different ways. And so coaches and players are all pouring into Cordero and many others but the kid was just, he was so hungry and he was anxious. I mean, he, he had it. He knew what God was doing in his life and in his heart. And so then the very last day, that top right picture is actually the last day in Guatemala before we leave to come back to the States. 
And so we're doing a camp for 300 kids. We're not even doing baseball. We're just in a field and we're just running with them and playing soccer, whatever it is. We're just playing with them. Oftentimes it was, hey, go tackle that guy. And 500 kids go tackle him. It was awesome. Um, But with that, Cordero comes up to me and he says, coach, I think it's time. I think I need to share my testimony. And so I said, absolutely, let's do this. So Cordero goes up and he shares his testimony in front of these 300 kids and he starts crying because you can start to see that that whole circle started to happen in his life. God had gripped him and wrecked him in such a way. And so then he sits there and and, uh, has the most authentic and real, unbelievable, beautiful testimony. And so then the general manager gets up to present the gospel and he can't even do it because he's just crying the whole time. All of us are. And so what's amazing is a lot of those kids afterwards come up to Cordero and talk through interpreters and say, hey, everything that you talked about, everything that you're experiencing and that you're going through, I went through, I'm going through that right now. I'm going through the exact same thing. There's power in our story. There's power in testimony. And we get to see that a lot with athletes in action, but there is power with your story with where you're at. And so then the best part is the send. After we're done and We've worked with these guys for a full summer. Now we send them off. And so I got to catch up and I keep in contact with Cordero. So Cordero, that's the picture of what he looks like down on the bottom, uh, bottom right there. And with that, he's no longer playing baseball. And so, but with it, he said, you know, when I got back to the university, a small university in Tennessee, he started a Bible study. And at that Bible study, the whole team came to the Bible study, okay? I don't know who you, like, that's amazing right there. The whole team came to the Bible study. I started a Bible study at Southern Nazarene University when I was a player. Six players came, and I thought I was something cool, okay? The whole team. And at first, I didn't believe him. I was like, no, not the whole team. And so he takes a picture of them at the Bible study, and they're meeting every week. And at that Bible study, he's like, here, go through the roster. They're all here. I was like, man, this is incredible. Best part is that he actually introduces and he, he uh, leads his family to Jesus Christ, And so now he's engaged and he's getting ready to get married and all this other stuff, but this trip completely set that fire of being wrecked for Jesus Christ and what a beautiful thing that is. And so that's a little bit of what we do. That's a little bit of what we do. Here are some of the questions that we talk about with our guys. And we're going through different sessions with them. So I want you to think about a college athlete or a pro athlete and and volleyball and baseball. That's what we work with the most. But I also want you just to sit there and ask these questions to yourself, exactly where you're at. Okay, the first question is, what is your worth in? Do you feel like you belong? What is your worth in? Do you feel like you belong? This question is asked a lot with our our volleyball athletes, and as women, this is the one that they probably struggle with the most. Am I worthy? Oftentimes we can see others are worthy enough, but so often we can't see that I'm worthy enough and there's nothing I need to do except for accepting Jesus Christ in my life. That is the main thing. So the second question that we go through is what do you find hope in? When you're stressed and have anxiety kick in, because it's gonna happen if it hasn't, and, and where do you go? What do you find your hope in? The third thing that we talk about is, what is your identity in? Who are you? (laughs) If you would have asked me that in college, I would have said, hey, I love Jesus, but I'm a baseball player. And the thing is, is that 
That's not the truth. <laughs> and when my guys start talking to me and they'll start asking me, and I'll ask them this question and I'll say, hey, who are you? They say, well, I'm a baseball player. Like, no, you're not. That's what you do, that's not who you are. Who are you? I'm a baseball player. No, you're not. Who are you? I'm Grant. No, you're not. Who are you? I'm a baseball player? No. I'm a child of Christ. Yes. That's who you are. You are saved by grace. Jesus went to the cross for you. There's nothing you can do. He is sovereign enough. Who are you? I'm a child of God. Yes. That's what we players that I love. Man, I love those moments. I get goosebumps in those moments. Those are real moments with some of my players that I love. It's when you get to start to see this identity. See, the thing is, is that we have a platform in our life. For guys in baseball right now, that's their platform. And the thing is, is that they've worked their whole life for that platform. And a matter of about two to four years, that platform's completely gone now. And so oftentimes, they have no idea what to do after that. Over 98% of every athlete that's in college, in all sports, over 98% will not go on to play after college. So there's a huge overwhelming problem, there's a huge gap where we're not teaching our guys and our, and our, and our women of Christ how to be prepared for that next platform in their life. Because the next stage in their life's beautiful, but you've heard the term that every athlete dies twice, it really is true. So much of it is true. But the thing is, is that we get to get excited about what that next platform is in our life. So I want to bring up another picture here, another slide, if you will. And uh, Casey, if you want to go to the keys. This is a, by this, this is, it's, it's a selfish slide. <laughs> and this is what I mean by this. This is Casey and I as head volleyball coach and head baseball coaches. This is what we've been doing for the last eight years of our lives. We've dedicated a lot of hard work to this. But here's the thing is that it's a good reminder for us that we're letting it go. That we're saying, okay, God, I'm letting it go. And the thing is, is that this, I want you to hear this. We have been in ministry for the last eight years as coaches. Whatever you do, your work is ministry. It's all perspective. It's how you view it. It's how you worship. It was important for us to have this slide because I'll be honest with you, I did not want to give it up. So much of me is a part of that. And here's what I can say is that we're called now to raise support. <laughs> I was raised very blue collar. I was raised that you work for everything you get. That's a good way to be raised. But when you start taking that and you start saying again, I'm gonna give God my finances. I haven't found a great way to do that. So much of me is, is again, I've given God a lot of things in my life. Finances has never been one that I really fully said, okay, God, take it, take it. So this January, we start to get wrecked. 
I'm in Nashville at a coaches convention and the, uh, the head athletic or the head uh, AIA member comes up and starts talking to me and he says, hey Tim, I, I really wanna talk to you about coming and being our national director for baseball operations with Athletes in Action. And I said, hey, I'm honored, thank you, I appreciate it, but I just, I can't see myself doing that. Thank you though. And so then the next week comes and I'm meeting with Friends University's athletic director. We're talking about a future job and different things like that. And, and at the end of it, it kind of turns and he goes, you know, Selfishly, Tim, I, I'd love to keep you here. He goes, but I don't know if you know this or not. For the last three months, you have just been so heavy on my heart. And I don't know if you know this, but the National Director for Baseball Operations open for Athletes in Action right now. And I cannot stop thinking about you and your wife joining. And I was almost mad at that moment. I was like, no, no. So then I go home and I tell Casey, and she's like, yeah, I can totally see us doing it. I'm like, who are you? Oh, my word. So we take that step of faith, and we say, okay, God, we're going to pray about this. We're going to pray about this. So 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 starts coming up in our lives. We start looking at the scripture, and then we start praying over the scripture. In 2 Corinthians 9, 10, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, and in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm wrestling with this verse. I'm going back and I'm being reminded of some of those dangerous prayers that we started to pray of, of God, get us uncomfortable. Give us enough faith to get uncomfortable. I'm wrestling. And so this is my interpretation of, of this verse. This is Tim Cole's interpretation. In the midst of trials and suffering, we may feel that God is not working things out like we think he should. <laughs> Paul realized that often the Lord does not fix situations because through our pain, we see him work a better plan. Not only can he sustain us, but his power can be more clearly demonstrated in our weakness. If we are willing to submit to his plans, I am willing to submit to his plans. That we can see the Lord can accomplish even greater things than we could even think or imagine in our own strength. So what's that dangerous prayer for you? It may not be go right now, but what's that dangerous prayer for you? Maybe it's this. Maybe it's taking that first step. Maybe it's asking those, those three questions of your life about worth, hope, and identity. Who are you? There's different seasons in my life I've had to be reminded, I've had to ask myself, who am I? I'm a child of Christ. Maybe it's that. Because here's the thing, guys, it's one step. You could say, Tim, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I'm not sure what that looks like. Let me show you, it's one step. It's literally saying, okay, God, 
know how to do this, but I'm going to take a step in you. Okay. Maybe it started to be forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness towards somebody that maybe not deserve it. What? I don't know if I can do that. Okay, but God, I'm just going to pray that simple prayer. I forgive that person in my life. God, I forgive. Maybe it's about being a coach. Well, you want me to be a coach? It's one step. And you take another step. And you start to realize the scripture starts to become more alive and alive inside of you. Perhaps it's time. Perhaps it's time to forgive the person in your life that doesn't deserve it. Maybe it's talking to God and telling him your hurt and your pain of that unanswered prayer in your life. Here's what this unanswered prayer looks like in our life right now, if I'm very transparent with you. For the last seven years, Casey and I have been trying to, to, to get pregnant. We've been trying to have a child. God knows the desire of my heart. I want to be a dad so bad. I want to see her be a mom. But that prayer hasn't been answered yet. Yet. And so as we're praying in March, during the pandemic, economic turmoil, potentially <laughs> fear, so much fear. Don't even know what sports are gonna be. Are we even gonna get to go international? And God, you want me to do what? <laughs> you want me to step out in faith like this? Maybe I should pray again. I started dragging my feet. And I realized what God was calling us into. See, the thing is, is that a part of my baseball programs, so much of it, I've had a good heart in it. I've had a great heart in it in a lot of ways, and I want my men to know God so bad. But so much of it has been me doing this. So much of it. And what God was doing is he was starting to wreck me again and making me realize that it's not about this. It's about this. It's about having a complete surrendered heart. So we sold everything we have. We sold the house. We sold all of our, our stuff. We've moved in with our beautiful in-laws in the basement. Praise God. And that's the stage that we're in right now. We're raising support to be able to go and to be full-time in this ministry. And what I can say is that I have found so much peace inside of the unrest. So much peace inside of this unrestful time. I can't describe it except it's one step. It's one step. Maybe this prayer is for you. Maybe this is your dangerous prayer. You're not done. You're not done. There are so many young men and women that need mentors in their lives. We need to bridge the gap from generation to generations and pass down wisdom. Because the thing is, if I didn't have men Godly men step in my life in different seasons of my life. There is no way I'm standing here today. There's no way. You are not done. Until you leave this world and get to worship our Father, you're not done. So Casey's gonna sing a song. It's called, Here's My Heart, Lord. 
During this song, I want you to take a moment to reflect and allow God to, to hopefully speak to your heart. I want you to ask some of those questions. What's that dangerous prayer for you in your life? What is it? What do you need to let go? What do you need to let go? What is it? So as she sings, if you wanna just sit there and pray, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try to pour out my heart during this moment and say, okay, God, not this, but this. If that's what you need to do, awesome. If you need to stand and worship, stand and worship, whatever it is. If you need to go to the cross, go to the cross. There is moments that I have had, it's so important thing at the cross. It's so important. Let it go and let God. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.